0: Hi there, this is the Rev. Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. I've always found it kind of interesting that when some people think of God, they think of the distant, all-powerful creator of heaven and earth who has little or no interest in our lives, almost like, as at least one theologian has described it, an absentee landlord. But in fact, that's not the case at all. Ours is a God who not only is always with us, but who also offers up an ever-widening embrace that even now continues to envelop you and me in infinite love. And while there's plenty of evidence to back up that assertion, we see it most clearly in Jesus. Which brings us to today's message, which is entitled, An Ever-Widening Embrace and is based on the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 29 through 42. It starts somewhere high atop a mountain with a, with a trickle, just a little trickle of water, perhaps a bit of ice melt from the fallen snow, maybe something bubbling up from an underground spring. Whatever it is, though, Wherever it comes from, it's really not much. But as that little bit of water starts to drip downward, following cracks and crevices well-worn into the rocks and soil, something happens. Before long, that trickle of water has become a brook. A brook winding through hill, valley, and what's referred to in these parts as puckerbrush. All the while growing in size and current as it's fed by countless other trickles of water as it flows. Now, follow that brook for a few miles and you discover now that it's become something of a stream, making its way past houses and farms and fields, through villages and beneath railroad trestles, ever widening as it flows. And before long, that stream has become a rushing river And now it's a source of energy and industry. Keep going, and it's grown to become a basin, a river delta, the bay, places of transportation where at long last the river does meet the sea in all of its vastness, its ebb, and its flow. It's a truth of nature, friends, one that has always fascinated me that even a tiny trickle of water high atop a snowy mountain can, given the chance, will find its way to the sea, flowing freer, farther, and wider than we could have possibly imagined. Well, friends, it seems to me that the good news of the gospel spreads in much the same way. Now, as you know, we are in the midst of epiphany, And in Epiphany, we in the church focus our attention on the light that has come into the world in the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, what's interesting, for me at least, is that quite literally, this light began shining in a dark and tiny manger in Bethlehem, by which any estimation would be a tiny, small place for God's light to come into the world. But you see, it's from that small place that that little light began to grow, to brighten and to spread. Its beam ever widening from person to person and village to village until eventually this same light illumined all of Israel and beyond. It's good news reaching further and farther across the world and encompassing all of creation. And the best part of all is that no matter how this light grew, nothing could stop it. Neither Herod's slaughter of innocent children, nor the legalistic taunting of scribes and Pharisees, not even Jesus' death on a cross could extinguish this light, nor keep it from enveloping the earth. For you see, this was God's intention, this was the purpose of Christ's coming. To bring us the light of his love. An ever widening embrace that reconciles you and me and the whole world to God. And in that radiant embrace, you see, we are given the true life we need. Life that's abundant in this world and eternal in the next. Just like that tiny trickle of water that eventually becomes a river flowing into the sea. It's amazing to consider just how wide is this radiant embrace of God. Even more so how you and I have been enveloped in such a love that has transcended time and culture and experience, even the very nature of our humanity. Most amazing of all is is this truth that through our baptism. This ever-widening embrace continues with you and with me as well. That's the truth that lay at the heart of our text for this morning, what Joyce just shared with us. And might I add, this is what tells us a great deal about faith and the very nature of the call that God extends to each and every one of us. Now, As you'll recall, last week we read Matthew's account of Jesus' baptism by John the Baptist at the River Jordan. And today we turn to John's Gospel to hear his version of the story. Actually, I love how John approaches this. It's kind of approached as what might be referred to today as a flashback. You know, in fact, it tells us what went on previously, but at the same time, it serves as a testimony of John the Baptist as to the true identity of Jesus. Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is what John says as as Jesus is, is passing by and as he recalls the events of that fateful day. And it's a powerful confession. I myself have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Even more striking, though, is what happens next. We're told that the next day, Jesus walks by once again. And once more, John proclaims Jesus is the Lamb of God. But this time, there are two of John's disciples standing with him. And so intrigued by John's testimony about Jesus, they're compelled to follow Jesus where he goes, to watch him, to listen, to find out more. Actually, when you think about it, it's kind of a comedic scene. I mean, here are these two likely bobbing and weaving through the crowd, peeking around corners and doing everything they can to keep an eye on Jesus without it looking like they're keeping an eye on Jesus. And finally, Jesus does notice something and he turns around and he asks, not unkindly, but I imagine with a bit of a bemused smile on his face, what are you looking for? And of course, like so many of us who are searching, Those two don't know what it is they're looking for, really, only that they're looking for something. And that may be that something they find in Jesus. And so they answer Jesus' question with a question of their own. Where are you staying? To which Jesus replies only, come and see Now, what's significant about this is that, as it turns out, one of those two disciples that are standing with John that day was Andrew, who just happened to be Simon Peter's brother. Yes, that Simon Peter. And it's Andrew who goes to his brother Simon Peter and announces to him that, that they'd found the Messiah. And so then Simon goes back with his brother to see Jesus, and Jesus sees Simon, and he says... You are to be called Cephas. In other words, Peter, the rock, the one on whom the whole church would be built. See what happened there? The good news, the, the wider ministry of Christ, the spread of Christianity, the building of the church of Jesus Christ, it all kind of starts here with an invitation. Come, come and see. And one by one, Person by person, they all come to seek Jesus out. And as they do, the light of God, that little light that was shining from the star on the manger, has started to grow. It grows in scope. It grows in breadth. And as it does, the gospel is proclaimed and good news is told. God's embrace widens to include John and and Andrew and Simon Peter. And if you read on in in that first and second chapter of John, you'll find next it's Philip, Philip and Nathaniel and then others still. Each one of them who before he was a disciple was someone who heard and discovered something important and then was just moved to tell somebody else about it. This, you see, is how faith grows. It's how faith always grows. You know what? No matter what your religious background happens to be, no matter what your culture is, where you came from, I'm here to tell you this morning that I think it can be safely asserted that in large part, your faith, wherever it happens to be at this moment, came about because somebody, somewhere, First, told you about it. Inviting you by their words or by action to find out more, to pursue faith in your own life. Now, even if you're one of those people who have been at church from the earliest part of your memory if you can't imagine a Sunday morning not coming here or to some church somewhere to worship, if the fact that there were five inches of snow out there and your driveway wasn't plowed nonetheless led you to say, okay, I'm going to church, the fact remains that while you're here, your relationship with God and everything about your faith at some point or another was nurtured and enlivened by others. People who led you to find out more about Jesus, whether you knew or knew or they knew it at all. Maybe it was the parents and grandparents who brought you here, the ones who admonished you to sit quietly in the pew. I can still see the white gloves on my grandmother's hand that grabbed me by the knee when I got a little too wiggly. Perhaps it was the Sunday school teacher who told you all those Bible stories, who fitted you with the angel wings that you proudly wore at the Christmas pageant. Or maybe it was that man or woman who, no matter what was going on in your life, made a point to seek you out, to find out how you were. Maybe it was even some preacher who said and did something that struck a chord with you, something you never forgot, something that still rings true to you to this very day. My point here is to to say that for each one of us, there are those individuals, those groups who have been influential in bringing us to faith and into that widening embrace of God. Men, women, even children who have been led by the movement of God's own spirit in their own lives. The very fact that some of you are sitting in these pews this morning has a great deal to do with those people who played some part of your life and living. And I tell you about it this morning because if it is true that God so moved those people to be in faithful and loving pursuit of you, then it follows that God is calling us to that same kind of pursuit We must never forget the great importance of what we say and do as Christians. We must never lose sight of the knowledge that how we are in this world, that is how we present ourselves here in church, how we present ourselves out there amongst our family and friends, what we do at work or at play. All of this does affect those around us, and in intentional ways, but also unintentionally. And in that regard, and in so many others, we are each and all ministers. We all have a ministry. And so often, that ministry can and does emerge from the things that we say and do each and every day of our lives. Those of us, as I say, of a certain age might remember the words of an old Sunday school song. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. I remember singing that song in Sunday school, and right away I knew that the song meant I needed to behave myself. And at heart, it really is a song about personal morality. But, you know, it also works as a reminder to us of both the value and the consequence of what you and I personally do for the sake of Jesus Christ. Because for a great many people, and please take this to heart, for a great many people, the first glimpse of who Jesus is comes down to who we are. And the image of Christ's church is forged in the impressions that our compassion, our behavior, and our very openness leaves with others. Ultimately, you see, our task as Christians who as people who live their lives in the wide, loving embrace of God, is to envelop others in that same embrace, inviting them to come and see what we have always known. Now to say come and see to someone, well, the word for that in the church is evangelism. But evangelism is not always what we expect it to be. It might be evangelism in the traditional sense, you know, making that small but all-important effort to actually invite someone to come to church, to tell that person in conversation uh, what Jesus Christ means to you in this life. But evangelism, you see, might also just as well come in a hug or a hearty handshake. Or sitting down over a cup of hot coffee. Dark roast, of course. And it most certainly can happen in the words of encouragement we give to one another. It's certainly there at times when no words are spoken at all. In times when we're providing a listening ear for someone in need. Maybe a shoulder to cry on. Now, Perhaps some of this does seem rather small and inconsequential in the scheme of things. But it is precisely in those small and seemingly inconsequential things that faith begins. It's where it grows, where it matures. It happens first, you see, with that tiny trickle of God's love. and, And in Christ's presence that is manifest in you and me. See, never underestimate the power or the resilience of a trickle. For as that other Sunday school song goes, when love comes a-trickling down, soon the water starts to move and you have a brook that becomes a river that is ever widening as it flows down to the sea. You see, that's the nature of love, dear friends. That's the nature of life. For when it is shared, before you know it, It is surrounding you in its embrace. It's what makes you want to know more. Come and see, says Jesus. If you want to know more, come and see. Don't be hiding out there through the crowd. Don't be peeking around buildings to see what's happening. Don't go on Google and plug in Jesus. (laughs) Come and see. May it be said, friends, that everything you and I did today, everything that we will do this week or in the months and years ahead as persons and as a people and as a church, may it be said that it ultimately led others to ask, where are you staying? What are you about? What do you know? And we just simply said, well, come and see May God lead us and bless us as we seek to extend God's embrace to this world that is in dire need of light and of love. Thanks be to God, who has embraced us, who loves us, and who sends us forth in that same love. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled, An Ever-Widening Embrace. It was recorded during our January the 19th service of worship at East Congregational Church. As always, if you'd like to hear these messages live and in person, or if you're looking for a place to worship in this new year, I would invite you to join us at East Church. Our worship happens every Sunday at 10 o'clock in the morning at the church on 51 Mountain Road in Concord. And I would love to have the opportunity to greet you in person. And with that, we're at the end of another episode of Love to Tell the Story. This is Michael Lowry, and I do thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless you with a great day. Talk to you soon.